Hello there, Journey Church. It's good to see all of you. Uh, if we have not had uh, the opportunity to meet one another, my name is Chris Townley, and I'm the student ministries pastor around here at Journey Church. Uh, as you just saw there as we wrapped up, a really, a really awesome ministry, an awesome opportunity where we're looking for men to be involved, to, to be a father figure in young boys' lives. I can't think of a, of a cooler opportunity to make a difference. If that's something, men, that you're interested in, you can sign up out in the lobby. You'll, you'll find that, and I would encourage you to get involved in that uh, really cool opportunity. Well, anyway, it is just a, it's a wonderful privilege to be here with you guys this evening and this weekend. Um, and, and as I'm speaking here, I can, I can kind of see a puzzled look on, on all of your faces, Right, B, because I, I can see that, that you're looking at something that, that you thought was actually extinct, especially around here at Journey, but your eyes have not deceived you. I am, in fact, wearing a tie and a hat and my shirt's untucked. So, I mean, you take what you can get, right? But, but really, on, on a serious note, th- th- this tie ha- has, has a meaning tonight besides looking really fresh. Um, it, it's actually going to represent some of the seriousness uh, of the message that, that I have to share with you. Uh, believe it or not, uh, maybe for some of you who know me, I'm not currently in the most lighthearted of places right now in, in my life. And, and I'm actually a bit tired and I'm actually a bit heavy-hearted physically, emotionally, spiritually. And, and however, I'm, I'm saying that not looking for, for pity, but I don't, I don't want that. I, I know without a doubt that many of us walk in here each weekend carrying the same type of burdens. We're, we're, we're tired, we're worn out, we're heavy. Many, many of you are, are hurting now or you have hurt much worse than I have. And I want to respect that, but I just want to be real and upfront with you guys as well. Hopefully that's okay, like we're the church and we can do that with one another. And so let me just just tell you that the multiple events that kind of led to this place of me feeling burdened, I wanted to actually share that, that short journey with you. Right, not, not because I, I think that my plight that, that I've been through the last few weeks is, is heavier than yours. Not because I want you to lower your expectations. And not because I want you to feel sorry for me. I want to share what, what I've been through the last few weeks so that we can all be reminded that we're human. Right, that, that we are all human. And, and so then in that we can be reminded as well that God is bigger than our broken humanity, than our aching spirits. God is bigger than that. So let me take you all the way back to the beginning of this, just two weeks ago. This, this month began with our student camping conference uh, that some of you may have heard about. We had some awesome videos for a few weeks, right? It was called Intense, right? And so we did that at the beginning of the week. It was, in fact, intense and intense, right? So we were in the tents camping, and it was intense. Uh, Quite honestly, though, it was actually the highlight of my summer. And and it was, at the same time, very draining on on many levels, not because I was in a room uh, multiple times with teenagers, right? That, That wasn't the only reason, right? It was draining on multiple levels because two days prior 
to the kickoff of Intense, something we've been working for months and months, preparing for. Two days prior, I found out that my grandpa had passed away from a massive heart attack unexpectedly. And I, and I loved my grandpa dearly. I still love my grandpa dearly. And, and my heart was heavy but intense, had to go on regardless of the pain I was feeling. Maybe there's some argument about that there, but we'll save that for another time. And so I believed that intense had to go on regardless of the pain I was feeling. And so we, we made it through intense with, with, with minimal injuries, minimal sleep, <laughs> right? But extravagant life change. The kingdom was strengthened and the kingdom was expanded in spite of all that, right? Praise God for that. But needless to say, I was running on fumes as that came to a close on about August 5th, right? And so I was running on fumes, and, and I'm a week away from standing on, on this stage and sharing with all of you without anything to say. And I also had not even had a chance to, to mourn the loss of my grandpa. However, there was no time to rest because I was up early the next morning following intense, and my dad and I, we were on a plane, but first we had to drive to Billings to catch that plane, and then we were flying to Tampa. My grandpa, so that was on a Saturday. My grandpa's funeral was going to be on a Tuesday, and then we were going to come back Wednesday night. And so while I was with my family in Florida, I had the blessing of connecting with family I hadn't got to see in years. That's one of, the, one of the awesome things, actually, about a funeral. Something that's actually life-giving in the midst of death. And I, I not only got to do that, but I got to love on my hurting grandma. And I had the wonderful opportunity to share at my grandpa's funeral. And so I, I, was, I was so thankful, and I still am so thankful, that I had the opportunity to go and celebrate my grandpa's life but I still hadn't had time to now recuperate from intense or, or even prepare anything to share with all of you, let alone just sit and, and think about who my grandpa was. And so we, we fly home on that Wednesday night. We fly into Billings and we get into Billings around midnight. All right, and, and, and that means we still have to drive to Bozeman. And so we get into Bozeman about 2 a.m. On, on Thursday morning. I'm up at 6 the next morning. That, that's four hours of sleep for those of you who stink at math. Right, so four hours later I'm up because we're going to prepare to host the Global Leadership Summit that, that Brian was showing us. Right, I'm up, I'm helping do that. We got we to make that happen. And, and so then once, once we do that, right, I, I get to actually sit through the summit and, and take all that in. And when Thursday wraps up, I finally crash hard only to get up the next morning right, Friday for the second day of the summit and take all of that in. And so then finally, it's like 5.30 p.m. yesterday, right, and I get to sit down. Praise the Lord, I got to sit down, right? And, and I have all of this that's racing through my head and my heart, right? I, I'm feeling so full yet so empty somehow at all of the same time, and I sit down to prepare for this weekend, Right, you have really low expectations now, right? <laughs> and, and so, however, as all of this was happening, uh, I, I was given the out of having our friend Derry Long fill in for me this, this week. And he, he was ready to go. He actually already had something prepared. I'm sorry if you were hoping to hear from Derry and you're disappointed. You get the guy who didn't work on his message until yesterday. 
right? So I, I had as many excuses to back out as I would ever need, right? You're probably thinking you should have backed out. But deep down, I knew in my heart that God had placed what I'm about to share with you inside of me for a reason, right? I was unwilling to step away from this calling that, that, that I felt God calling me to, no matter how exhausted I was. Because let me tell you, God is bigger than that. And God is bigger than whatever it is you're facing or whatever it is you might be thinking you want to back out of. And so I'm up on the stage, like 10 hours after finishing or starting a message. I don't even know anymore, right? Because I believe Listen to this. I believe with everything in me that God has something for you today. I believe he has something for each one of you today. Not because of me, but because of who he is. And so I've shown up to do my part. Would you please not not fight what God wants to do in your life? Would you not push it away? Because God wants all of you in this moment. He wants all of your heart open. He wants you to embrace it. He wants you to listen to what he has for your life. Let's, let's pray before we get started for the second time. God, we are in so many different places in this room right now. But God, we truly believe that you have something for each one of us. I pray that, that none of us would stand in the way, would step in the way of what you might have. I pray that I would not get in the way of what you want to do in people's lives today. I pray that, that you would open up our hearts wide and that we would be willing to hear from you, a God who is bigger than anything we could possibly be facing. May you be lifted up. May you be glorified. May you be known. In your name we pray. Amen. So I have, I have good news for you. It's refreshing, right? I have some good news for you. I don't necessarily mean like the good news that it talks about in the Bible. Like I have that too, but I just wanted to clarify so you wouldn't Jesus juke me. If you don't know what a Jesus juke is, you need to Google Jesus juking. All right, and so this is the good news I have for you. It's this, death is dead. Death is dead. Kind of seems redundant, but it is. All right, so let me, let me unpack that for you, though. Let me unpack that. Back, back in May, I had the privilege of, of traveling to, to Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, for my second time with a team of people from around here at Journey. Uh, we've sent teams multiple times, like four or five times. There's actually a team in Ethiopia right now. And so while we were there, we were continuing our work at a public school called Bright Hope School. All right, and at, at Bright Hope School, like over the last couple years, what we've been doing, we've been supporting, praying for, helping fund, working alongside our Ethiopian friends and bringing life to this community Right, and walking with them in their vision, not ours, their vision of what restoration looked like amongst the people they lived with. And so over time, a well has been placed in this school, and now there's water. 
there. A com- or a chicken house full of chickens has been added to the school compound. So they can use the eggs and the chickens and yeah, you get the idea there, right? There, there's also been a ginormous garden that's been planted. A ginormous garden. And then along with that, what we're currently finishing up is a wall around this entire place to not only protect what, what's been built and created, but protect the children that are there as well. And so that's kind of the quick summary of what's happening in Ethiopia at Bright Hope School. But let me tell you today about the garden. All right, so there's this garden on the school compound, large school compound. And there's this 100-yard, that's an estimate, 100-yard path next to the garden. I know a 100-yard path. It was a path that our team frequented quite often while we were there in May. Uh, What we did is we would haul rocks from one side of the compound along this path up to the wall. We were there for about 10 days, so I'm very familiar with the path. All right, and we have this path back and forth, back and forth. Right, but this path had something significant on both sides of it. On one side, bordering the path, was a long hedge. This hedge actually had poisonous thorns on it. One stuck me in the calf. I have since recuperated. All right, so there's this long hedge with poisonous thorns. But inside this hedge, right, there's, there's trash. There's, there's heaps of trash. There's dead roots, old plants, old things that aren't being used. There are even some bones scattered throughout. I'm not making this up. This is what the hedge looked like on one side of the garden. It was full of the stench of what had been discarded. This, this side of the path was full of death. On the other side of this garden, right, this garden was about the size of, of half of a football field, also a rough estimate, uh, about, about the size of half of a football field. And, and this wasn't just any garden, It's not the garden you're probably thinking of. This garden garden was actually sitting on what many generations before was a graveyard. So there there used to be a graveyard and now there's a garden. So not only had this community that we were there loving on been filled, because this used to be a leper colony, and not only had it been filled with the forgotten and the outcasts, but their school was built on what used to be a graveyard. And so on this side of the path, where the garden was, we could bear witness to a a garden that was brimming with life, with green vegetables shooting up out of the ground, like neat, manicured, rose, freshly watered soil. That side of the path that which the garden was on was beautiful. It was growing. It was full of opportunity. And it was full of life. And so... Maybe this is a tired cliche, right? But, but we're all traveling down a path, right? And on one side, we're given the opportunity to look this way. And on one side, we're given the opportunity to look that way. We have the opportunity to choose which side of the path our life will be about. What side are we going to see? What side are we going to invest in and live in? We have the opportunity to see death and decay, maybe in the dreams we once dreamed dreamed or the, the, the pictures we had in our minds, maybe for the, the things that have happened to us in our past, or, or we have the opportunity to look to the other side and we can see that, that there's life, that there's opportunity, that something's growing. There's something captivating. There's something hopeful about it. So we can choose to follow 
what's dead and decaying, or we can choose to follow what's alive. And so each and every day we have the freedom to choose which side of the path our lives will be about. It's a constant battle of death versus life. And to walk us through that battle, I want, I want to look at the first 11 verses of Romans 6. But to give us some context going into Romans 6, I want to first read Romans 5.21. All right, and Romans 5.21 says this. I think you'll be able to follow along on the screens. Obviously not in your note page. I finished my message today. Uh, here, this is what it says. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, right, because that's where sin leads us. Now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Right, the story, our story, the one that we're living begins with life and it begins with creation, but it's quickly brought to death by the sin that inflicts all of us. Right, and sometimes we say sin and it's kind of a scary word and we don't even know what it means or, or maybe you don't come around to a church very often. You're like, what does that mean? Right, in this case, it just leads to death. That's all you need to know. Right, but it says, however, death does not have to be the end. And so we walk into Romans 6 now, seeing that life and death are at war. We feel it in our own lives. Like when someone we love passes away, right? We have the battle of they're gone, but we're going to celebrate what's alive. And so Romans 6 starts with this in verses 1 and 2. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Right, Paul, the author of Romans, he, he's asking us, how can we continue to live in something that's, that's dead to us? How can we continue to live and function in the graveyard when, when the garden is just across the way? He goes on in verses 3 and 4 and says this, Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Jesus Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, right? It's talking about going under, right? Being submerged, being, being completely dead with Christ. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So with God at the center of our lives, the core of our purpose, right, we're actually set out to live something new. Something that's not dead. Right? Jesus went to the cross to die for us, to make a way for us to experience a love that actually changes everything. Right? And when we choose Jesus, right, we die on the cross with him. And so often we stop there in that place that we've died on the cross, that he's died on the cross, right? where, where we, we totally grasp that our sin and all the, the crap in our life, the bad things that we've done, all those burdens we've been carrying around it, that they're made new in that death. We get it, they're forgiven, they're gone. Right? But, but we set in that death. We think we're dying all the time. There's always this death. Right? God is not continually trying to nail you for any sin you might have committed. Right, he's not up in heaven, like he's not waiting there, right, with a nail gun to get you again and again for your sins. 
right? He already nailed them to the cross. Stop living in the death. Right, because all the old is now gone, it's finished, and he says, you have a new life, you have the opportunity to start again. Where there is death, there is life waiting for you to give you something new. And get this in verse 5. It says we're only on verse 5, believe it or not. Right, this is what he says. He says, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Like, do you get what's being said there? Right, the fact that death is not the end. Yes, the cross changed everything. But after death comes life, three days later, death is dead and there is life. Where there is death in our hearts and in our souls, life is waiting. Right, because we also just, as Jesus was, will be raised to life by the power of God. We can't keep living as if we're dead. It goes on to say in verses 6 through 8, he says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Right? The sin is what was making us die. We were no longer in that place where it has power over us. It's gone. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. His death brings life. But how how do we know? How can we be sure that death no longer has power over our lives? How can we be sure that the sinful nature that's been, been ruling inside of us no longer maintains power over our choices? Right, because sometimes it seems like we're constantly failing, so how can we be so sure? Paul states it clearly in verses 9 through 11, and this is what he says. We are sure of this, because Christ was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power over sin. One time is all it took. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Right? If we have been united in death with Christ, then certainly we are united in resurrection as well. The end of the story is life. Death is dead. Right, the death that has been invading us, that's been causing us to, to live in sin, is now powerless. It's been defeated. Right, death is dead because our God is not. Let that blow your mind. Right, and take heart in the fact that Jesus could not be defeated by death. And if our God is alive, then you are not dead either. And you, too, will not be defeated by death. Right? The, the, the marriage you're in, maybe, maybe it's on the verge of death. It can still be resurrected because your God is alive. That pornography addiction that's slowly and secretly killing you, view by view, can be put to death. Because God is in the business of resurrecting. The bitterness you've been harboring has already been nailed to the cross. So if you give that to God, you will be set free and live again. 
Right, your propensity to sin, to doubt, to steal, to lie, to cheat in the hands of Christ becomes powerless. And our living God is waiting to bring you back to life. The greed that's maybe gripping your soul, right, and causing you to to try and earn more and more and more at the cost of maybe parenting your children or loving your friends can be put to death and resurrected by the power of God. Those apathetic tendencies ruling over your heart and actions can be crushed by the power of God, a God who's living and active and is in no doubt in the business of resurrecting what was once dead. So all of you that feels dead, all of you that seems hopeless, all of you that feels like it's crashing, is just simply waiting to be resurrected. The dying marriage or the the dead-end job or, or the empty heart are simply opportunities for the power of a living God to bring it all back to life as he intervenes in those places. Like, I want you to hear what God is saying to you, to all of us, to me. Right? You're not a lost cause. You're not finished. You're not dead. Death is not the end. Jesus came so that we might have life and have it to the full. Life is the goal. So I ask, aren't you tired of living as if God has not defeated death? Aren't you tired of living as if God is incapable? Aren't you tired of living and and falsely serving a God that that by your actions, by the way you live your life, appears to be dead? We must be reminded that Jesus overcame the cross. The power that brought Jesus from the tomb, the power that brought Jesus from a fully human death back to life, get this, is the power that's waiting to come alive inside of you. That same power is waiting to dwell within your heart. So obviously nothing is too big for God. Nobody is too dead for God. And and, and you and whatever it is that's lurking in your soul and clamping onto your heart, the little pieces of you that, that are near death are no exception. That too is not too big for God. Let God bring you back to life. Let God bring you back to him. And so if we accept that offer, if we die with Jesus to be resurrected again and then we find life, then what? What happens then? Are we going to live a life that is actually alive? Are we going to grab a hold of a faith that, that, that's, that's living, that's not dead, but that's just simply in need of action? Will we do whatever it takes to bring life into the places and the souls that are dying all around us? Will we live out that level of life? What if we walked in to that dead-end job and instead we brought life in the, in the form of, of joy and encouragement? What if we stepped into our relationships and focused less on being right and more on loving right? right? What, if, what if we took the call to cross the world and bring life to, to, to kids and people who are starving for someone to love them? What if we created life in our neighborhoods by simply bringing people together for the sake of building relationships? Right? What, what if we actually took back 
Those God-given dreams that we've let die and the deep parts of our heart that we've brushed aside, that we've said, ah, that's never going to happen. What if we brought those back to life and let the world experience what God's put in your heart because the world needs more people living out their God-given dreams? What if we took this life and death battle so seriously that we stepped out with the faith that was backed by works, that was backed by us living with action. Let's resurrect that faith. Let's let God bring us all back to life, unite us with him, and then we can be a part of giving that life back. And so, if you're still doubting, or you're still thinking you're too dead, right, or your past is too heavy, or your circumstances are too crippling, all right, listen to this. This is Romans 6, 9, but it's in the message version. And, and it reads like this. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. The power of an almighty God will not let death have the last word in your life. Never again will death have the last word. So we come back to this place. All of us are walking down our path to one side. Right? Is the death and the decay and the trash. The other side is what used to be your graveyard, but now it's a garden and it's brimming with life. And it's a garden that's not just living for the sake of being alive. Right? It's a garden that's alive for the sake of creating and giving more life. Because that's what gardens do. And so that side is what Jesus is all about. That side has been resurrected and it couldn't be more alive. That side can be your life. And so as, as you walk down the path, the path that, that is your life, which side are you going to make your life about? Because remember, our God is not dead. He, he is alive in the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is inside of those who follow him. How can we possibly choose anything but this life in Jesus? If you would, could you just put your stuff aside right now? Maybe, maybe bow your head. Close your eyes. Find a, a posture of prayer. And as you're doing that, and, and you're beginning to, to focus your hearts on God, I want you to hear these words from, from 2 Corinthians 5.17. Moving us from death to life in Christ says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Let your hearts focus on that. And as we continue to, to just sit in this posture of prayer, I want to take this opportunity to talk to those of you who are already striving to follow Jesus. Those of you who, who have died with Christ and been resurrected in him, and I want to ask you, does your life appear 
to be serving a God that's dead? Is your life being lived in response to a life that's been given to you by a loving God? Or are you a garden that's producing life? Think about what's next for you as you live out a a faith filled with God honoring action. And then maybe there are some of you here today who've been holding back from God. You know that pieces of you are dying each day. You can feel that void, that emptiness, that longing for new life. Or maybe you're here and that, that faith you once had is dead. And that faith is in need of resurrecting. I say, why not let today be the day you choose to give it all to Jesus? A Jesus who paid it all for you and find a new life. Why can't today be the day that your old self, your old life is put to death and your new life begins in Jesus? If that's you and you're, you're here and you're ready to step across that, that line of faith, you're finally ready to let God resurrect the faith that's died inside of you, then in the quiet of your heart, just pray this prayer with me. God, we, we see that you, you are a, a God of resurrecting once was, what was once dead and making it alive. I see that God, as I tried to control my own life, I was leading down the path of destruction. I, I was on the other side of the garden, God. And today, I want to step into a relationship with you. I, I understand, God, that, that I've sinned and it had power over me. But today, I want to be set free by a God that is bigger than anything I've done, anything that I've faced, anything that I will be. God, today, take my life. Today, raise me from the dead. Today, God, I'm yours. And if you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to know that's the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Don't take that for granted. And it's so important that that around here we just want to take that opportunity to celebrate it with you. And so if that was you and you prayed that prayer today and you stepped into a relationship with Jesus, if you moved from death to life, would you be so bold as to just slip up your hand and make eye contact with me? And that's your way of saying, yeah, that's me today. My life belongs to Jesus. So you can do that now. Yeah, I see you. God's changing you right now. Right now. God's moving you from death to life. Over there, I see you too. Right here, I see you too. He's resurrecting what was once dead. I wouldn't want to miss anybody. Yep, I see you too. God, we just give you the glory. We give you our praise Because you are a God that is not dead. You are a God that is alive. And you are in the business of resurrecting what was once dead. We love you for that and we pray that our lives would continue to just brim with life like the garden. And give it to those in need. We love you in your name we pray. Amen.